0: Welcome to the Wealth Academy podcast. This podcast helps you discover wealth is more than just money. It consists of several empowering components that make up wealth in your personal and business life. Hello, everyone. This is your host, host, Paul Paul Lawrence host of Wealth Academy podcast and glad to come to you again today on this episode because we have a special guest and his name is Sanger D. Smith. Sanger, how are you
1: doing today? I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Fantastic. And today we're going to talk about something that's relevant to us all here in the Wealth Academy podcast uh, community. And we're going to talk about money, investing, wealth building, and much, much more. But before we get started, I'm going to give you the background on our guest today. And his name again is Sanger D. Smith. He's a financial advisor with Clearfork Wealth Management a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. He's based in the wonderful city of Fort Worth, Texas, and he's a graduate of Texas A&M University, one of the best in all the land. And he's going to share some amazing insight on topics we all enjoy. Again, that will be money, investing, wealth building, and much, much more. And without further ado, I want to welcome Sanger D. Smilf. Welcome, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing great on this Friday. Thanks All right. again, Paul. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. So Sanger, welcome to the Wealth Academy community. And it's a joy to interview you and introduce you to listeners in my community. When did you know that money, finances, and wealth building was going to be your passion and your purpose? Please share that with our listeners, please.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for asking that, Paul. You know, I didn't know that I needed to be a financial advisor until I found my grandfather's old hunting rifle. Oh. So I I'll, t- I'll tell you about that. Fantastic. My grandfather, I called him Aji. That was my, you know, grandpa name in the south. I don't know how, I don't know how you do it in the rest of the country, but in the south we got weird uh, weird names for our grandpas <laughs> and our grandmas. So I called my grandfather Aji And Aji was like most men born in rural Texas, small town Texas in the 1940s, right? He, mm-hmm. he wore pearl snap shirts. He had a big, bushy mustache. He loved riding horses. He loved hunting. He loved smoking cigarettes like a chimney. Uh-huh. And he loved listening to Willie Nelson. Love it. Well, Paul, I love hunting also, huge hunter. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my grandfather Aji and I, we never got to go on a hunting trip together. Because for the last several years of his life, he was in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. He didn't get to spend a whole lot of time together. And ultimately, he lost his, his battle to cancer in April many, many years back. Seven months after, I'm walking through a field near Hico, Texas with his old Remington 25-06 hunting rifle strapped over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's early morning. It's dark out. It's, it's freezing cold. And I'm moving through this field on my tiptoes, just thinking I don't step on a branch and startle the deer before I even get a chance to see them. And I'm moving real quiet. And then all of a sudden I start to smell something burning. Now it's dark out. I can't see anything. I look over to my left. There's no flames (laughs) nearby. I look out past the trees, you know, there's no smoke anywhere. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried because I don't want this forest fire to potentially sneak up on me. And then I look over to my right, I take a big, deep breath, and I start laughing to myself because what I had realized, Paul, was that what I thought was a fire was his old cigarette smoke clinging to the leather strap of the rifle that was on my shoulder. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so I realized... In that moment, obviously, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to sneak up on a 12 point buck smelling like mm-hmm. Marlboro's. So mm-hmm. I, I get in my truck, I pack everything up, and the only thing I can think to do is to go visit my granddad, right? Mm-hmm. So I drive over to the cemetery. I'm thinking about all the times we got to spend together and thinking about how much I'd love to go hang out with him right now. And when I pulled up to the cemetery, I got out of the truck, I walked over to the gravesite. All that I saw was a smooth pile of dirt. Hmm. There wasn't even a headstone. Wow. And it was in that moment that I realized that he did not have enough money to pay for his headstone. Got it. And later on that day, after an angry call to my mom, I learned that he did not have the money to pay for his own funeral either. Hmm. And from that point forward, it wasn't instantaneous, but from that point forward, I began to realize that what I really, really, really wanted to do was to dedicate my life to making sure that no one I care about, no one I care about leaves a legacy like that. So now I get the opportunity every day to work with the clients that I work with here at Clear Fork Wealth Management to build legacies that are more meaningful that are more impactful, that are more long lasting than material goods.
0: Well, I tell you, Singer, that was awesome. And it it all comes together because, again, you're saying we know if he had the money, he would have been able to afford it. So now the legacy that you're providing really in his honor is that that doesn't happen to someone else. Sure. so so he he really had a great impact on you which i think is just wonderful
1: he did he he, he mm-hmm. gave me a, a great unintentional gift uh uh-huh. that i could never repay right yeah. and and it's not so much it's not only the bank account right mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, and and we all we've all got people in our family that sure. that grew up poor and they died poor and exactly. that's okay you know mm-hmm. that doesn't there's there's nothing wrong it, with them right for that <laughs> it
0: doesn't diminish that their life no, at all of
1: course not mm-hmm. but but what i learned was that i there are there is so much more that we can leave behind when we are gone from this earth there's so much mm-hmm. more and and money is only one way to do that right
0: very I, true
1: if he could have left behind a million dollar bank account uh, and the legacy wouldn't necessarily be that much better. Correct. Um, so what I do with people is I'm, I make sure to understand their values and incorporate their values so that they're, the dollars that they leave behind express those values.
0: Yes, that makes all kinds of sense, primarily because, again, uh, they want to live a whole life. And we won't live a perfect life. However, we'll leave one that people can remember us. And, and what's happening now, what you're doing is that you're making it so it's not what people know, but how it makes people feel. If people feel that you have their best interest, they're going to select you. They want you to invest their money. They want you to talk to them about wealth, a legacy, et cetera. And so your grandfather's impact has, is really deep And I really appreciate you for that, because that's very important for all of us. Uh, Life life is not easy, but we should have happiness. That's what I tell people every day. Our goal today is happiness. (laughs) And what you do make people happy because you help what they have to grow and accumulate and build over time. And in fact, uh, what you just stated is what the mantra of this show is. Wealth is more than just money.
1: I, and I think a that's a fantastic components. mantra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can't promise people happiness. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I can't I get promise people happiness. <laughs> you know, I'd probably yes. charge a lot more if I could. Absolutely. Um, but but what we aim to do when we help our clients make great money decisions, so they can mm-hmm. meet their goals and live a better life, but also so they can build their wealth. It, it's not it's not only to see more commas sure. on their financial statement Mm -hmm. it's not only to see more zeros it's it's not just to get a bigger number right it's what are we doing with it yes what are we doing with it now while we're alive and and Mm -hmm. what's it going to do Do when we're gone
0: correct absolutely fantastic so for all our listeners out there we want you to really take this into account because it can make a difference so, singer, let's talk now about the successes and accomplishments that you've received such, thus far uh, through your experience. How has it shaped you in your profession and industry? Uh, there, working as an investor, uh, working in your capacity, what what is one of the successes or accomplishments you want to share with us there at your
1: what? You well, did. as a financial advisor, I would have to say that w- w- the number one way that i measure success is by having a measurable impact on the lives of the clients that i work for Mm -hmm. and so one of the ways that one of the most successful things that happened to me this year was what it 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 paid me more uh than money ever could and here's what happened paul so in, in about, all of you, your listeners are pretty familiar with what happened with the stock market absolutely. in 2020, right? yes, We all know, absolutely. I don't have to go into that. <laughs> um, everybody that's got a 401k Ooh. knows exactly what happened. The pain,
0: the pain.
1: Yeah, and so one of the clients that I work with, I was talking with her in probably August or September and I was showing her, the, the, the statement and and her return and talking about what we did and what happened. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I was able to tell her, look, you're still on track for your goals. You're still got everything that we were talking about in 2019 that you wanted to do in the future. You're still going to be able to do that. Isn't that a good feeling? And she said, you know what, singer, I've got to thank you because you shared with me all of the reasons why we have been making these decisions with my money. And you let me know that we're going to see downturns along the ride. We're invested for the long road. We're going to see things happen. We're going to have bumps in the road, but you let me know that I shouldn't panic. And so when I wanted to panic, I did not because I remember what you told me. And the fact that the work that I do with her helped her avoid a bad decision of, or an emotionally based decision of, running away, putting her money in cash, Mm. making a rash decision, a reactive decision when the market was at its bottom, when the market was at its most volatile, that is more rewarding than anything I can really think of. And to have her thank me for it was pretty cool too.
0: Without a doubt, because again, you have that confidence that you gave her. She understood early on that there are gonna be some uh, bumps in the road. There can be some hurdles, some quicksand. Sometimes when it comes to investing and now it gives her even more confidence, which means she'll probably stay longer, give that referral and also see a, some good results in the end, which is wonderful.
1: Sure. And, and, and even if I never get those things, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's sure. it's that this. Client is better off, and Absolutely. I'm happy about that. That's why I do it. Right. Exactly. That's that's why I talk about my grandfather because right. I want to I want to make sure the people that are important to me, yes, make good money decisions so they can end up in a better place so they can leave a legacy, and I know that in that moment she's she's uh, she is better off for the work that we've done, and that makes me. So happy whether or not anything else ever comes out of it.
0: Absolutely. I I think that is fantastic. And again, uh, when people see that you have their best interests, they're going to stay with you and stick with you. And and we want our listeners to know, too, uh, that they can work with you also. (laughs) So we don't want to leave that part out because uh, everyone needs a great advisor. Everyone needs one. So, so singer, let's take a look at, we're gonna shift a little bit. We know Decision 2020 is here with the election uh, taking place on November the 3rd. People voting early, setting records, and there are only 11 days left for people to get to that uh, voting booth and make their choice. How would the election impact people's money if we looked at it from an investing perspective, et cetera?
1: If you'd share sure. sure with that, please. So- so when we lead into elections, there's always questions that I get as an advisor from clients, from investors saying, Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Yes. And usually the concerns are that seg- something negative is going to, to come from an election either way. Yes. Right. Yes. I don't want this guy to win or I don't, I do want this guy to win either way. We're all scared of something bad happening. And so, what I share with the clients that I work with is, listen, Paul, the only thing I know is that I can never know what's going to happen. I can never know for sure what's going to happen, right? Well, if I did, well, well taken. if I did, we'd pull out of the market at the top, <laughs> we'd go back into the market at the very bottom. Sure. You'd be super happy and I would charge way more to do that, but I, I don't see. know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So since we don't know what's going to happen, there are five things that we can do to protect ourselves for the potential downturns, right? So okay. you ready for it?
0: Ready for them. Ready Number for them.
1: one is avoid large concentrated stock positions. So if you've got 10, 20, 50, you know, 10, 20% of your portfolio in one company, that's a big risk. Very big. That's a big risk. And it doesn't matter what company it is. That's a big risk. And if you're concerned about the market going down, That represents an even more of a risk. Very much so. so. The second thing is have a properly diversified portfolio, right? Have a properly diversified portfolio. What we want to do then is look at tying a client's investment portfolio with respect to risk to their emotional capacity for that risk. What I mean by saying that is, all of us have different levels of volatility with our own money that we're comfortable with. Right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And so if I, if I said to you, Paul, Hey, let's, let's be really, really aggressive. Meanwhile, you're more comfortable as a conservative investor. You're going to be happy when the market's rocking and rolling, but when the market pulls back, you'll feel an outsized pain. <laughs> you'll feel an outsized pain there, and you won't there be will very be, happy.
0: There will be pain.
1: <laughs> the opposite's true though. Sure. So if you, want to be an aggressive investor, if you're emotionally uh, tolerant of, of high risk, and your investments are conservative, you'll be thrilled when the market's down. But when the market recovers, recovers. You'll, you'll feel like everyone's getting rich but you. So we want to avoid concentrated risk positions, tie or concentrated stock positions, tie our investment portfolio to our risk tolerance. Then we want to periodically rebalance that portfolio. We want to periodically rebalance that portfolio. What I mean by that is making sure that we're maintaining that risk tolerance over time. So we can't just set it and forget it. We've got to periodically revisit it and move our equities back to our target, move our fixed income back to our target percentage. Mm -hmm. Yes. We've done that. We're going to be in a good place moving into any volatility whenever it does come.
0: Outstanding.
1: What we've also got to do, Paul, is, is make sure that our investments are tied to real goals. So what I've found is super important is making sure that a client understands, hey, th- these investments that are over here are actually what is going to be spent on X, Y, and Z, right? Right. This is the amount of money I need to do the things that are important to me. And so we know the level of volatility that we can withstand and still be able to maintain the lifestyle that we want. So a lot of times we, we, we could look at during a volatile market, look at an account statement and go, okay, well it's down, but I can still do everything I ever wanted to do. So I'm happy. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to lose my livelihood. So those are the types of things that I would share with, with the clients that I work with a lot of people aren't satisfied and they say hey you know okay singer but yeah 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 that's all good but I don't want this particular candidate to win it's going to be really bad right mm-hmm. so then I would share with I would share with folks and say I would believe that if it were not for the historical data that <laughs> directly contradicts that <them."> right? research <laughs> yeah. so from 1928 to 2016 from 1928 to 2016, there, when the incumbent party wins, stock market returns 15.3%. That's based on the S&P 500 index. When Republicans win, it's 14.5. When Democrats win, it's 5.8. Okay. When incumbent party loses, it's 3.2. And in presidential election years, it's 9.9. You might say to me, Singer well, okay, that means uh, it's better if, if this person wins or that person... No. What I took away from that is that they're all positive. Yes. They're all positive. Now, that no- doesn't mean that every single year moving forward, we're going to see positive returns simply because historically that's what happened mm-hmm. um, on average.
0: But the data reflects the numbers. That's, that's primarily what they need to know. Absolutely.
1: So... When I talk with people about what's going to happen with the election, um, I share that with them. I say, "Here, here's the things you need to know to build out a diversified portfolio that's tied to your goals, that avoids concentrated stock positions, that you're periodically rebalancing, all of those things. You do that, you're going to be in good shape. Further, odds are in your favor that it's going to turn out okay, going to turn out okay that doesn't mean that we won't see a market downturn or anything negative it doesn't mean that um but historical data can help ease our concerns um the more i dig into the data the less it matters so another stat that i'll I'll share with people is that from 1926 to 2018 when we have a democrat president with a split congress S&P 500 index returns 15.6 on average over that period of time with the Democrat president and Republican Congress, 15%. Democrat president, Republican Congress. So I could read the other statistics that I told you when an incumbent party wins, we get 15%. Right. (laughs) Where if we have a Democrat president and a split Congress, we get 15.6 and you could look at that and interpret it either way you want and say, Oh, it actually historically would it matter who wins in November
0: yeah yeah it's all positive
1: <laughs> sure and there's a barely a difference yes. so there's another one that 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 gets people to is I will I'll share with folks I'll say okay if you're not happy with that and you think it's a political party issue I think and and people, We all have our own political opinions. Oh, I want this party to win. It's going to be real bad if this party doesn't win. Um, I hear it every, we hear it every two to four years, depending on how serious media wants us to uh, pay attention to the midterm elections. You know what I mean, Paul? Exactly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And any election is always going to be
1: opposition. (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. We're always going to hear it. Oh yeah, We're always going to hear it. But since, I, since I think it's 1860, mm-hmm. it's about 1860. Um, markets at 8.4 when Republicans win and 8.2 when Democrats win. So do with that what you will. Sure. Right. Absolutely. How are we going to interpret that? <laughs> the way I choose to interpret it is we don't know what we don't know. No one can predict the future. Anyone that says they can uh, I would run away from them and <laughs> absolutely <laughs> do, the, do the things that are time tested mm-hmm. and do make the right decisions to protect yourself from the downside, knowing that you will never know when it's going to happen.
0: Due diligence. You do that,
1: <laughs> and you do that consistently, you're going to be in a good spot.
0: I think that's the great way to place it. And I believe the listeners are going to understand it, <laughs> but they're going to Perfect. be
1: fascinated by your
0: numbers for sure. Singer. which I think is great because your numbers get people to thinking, you see, and that's what we need to do. Think this is the investment. It's the volatility. And we have to take that risk in, into account no matter what. And there's always going to be a little bit of risk in almost everything.
1: Sure, there's risk associated uh, with every decision we make. Every, every decision, absolutely. Every decision we make, there's risk associated with it. Mm-hmm. And what what investors, what, and I would imagine most of your clients would, would benefit from hearing this, is mm-hmm. the, the, the one thing I hope you would take away is please, please be very, very cautious of trying to time the market. Right. Be very, very cautious of trying to time the market. And a lot of people, they'll hear me say that and they'll do it anyway. And that's fine. Um, odds are not in your favor. Mm-hmm. It's,
0: uh, the uh, stock market is a big, big enterprise. <laughs>
1: sure.
0: And if everyone could figure it out, then everyone would make something off it. But it doesn't happen that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, Paul. I so I I told you that eight point two and eight point four sure. numbers. I want to clarify yeah. that because sure. that no was um, I I actually found what I was thinking of when I when I referenced that. So since eighteen sixty, uh-huh. an average portfolio with a allocation of sixty percent equities and forty fixed, percent fixed income has produced an annual compound return of eight point two in the ninety four years since eighteen sixty with a Republican president and 8.4 annual compound return in the 65 years with the Democrat president.
0: Got it. Fantastic.
1: And that's based on uh, global financial data from Vanguard. Mm-hmm. So that's not the stock market returns over that period of time. That's a average, average. portfolio over that same course of time. But you get the point.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It gives people something to work with for sure.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: So Senga, thank you so much for that, because that really is going to make a difference. And people can... Not only with the after the election, even after the election, they can still take this into account. It doesn't go away, you know, the historical information, the data, et cetera. So let's move on, Sanger. We um, here at Wealth, Ac- Wealth Academy Podcast, we have a global listening audience. If you could please share some of the behavioral advice and some of the psychology behind spending and planning habits, inquiring minds really want to know.
1: Sure thing Paul. So, one of the things that we've learned in, in at Clearfork Wealth Management as as advisors who work with people every single day on financial decision making is that as human beings, we are all susceptible to having our emotions influence and dictate our decisions. We all know that, right? We don't always make the best decision when we're angry or when we're sad or when we're excited, or when we're nervous, when we're anxious. And we all know that in our day-to-day lives, in the ways that we interact with our friends, our family, our spouses, the way we behave at work. We all recognize that. Well, the same thing is true with our money. Our emotions as investors can play a huge, huge impact if we're not aware of it. So one thing that I do as a financial advisor to combat this is I go through an exercise with every client that I work with to identify their top five core values. You say, okay, Sanger, why, why do you identify their core values? You're supposed to be managing money. Uh, how, what does that have to do with stocks and bonds? Well, here's why. My belief fundamentally is that decision-making is the foundation of success. For sure. Decision making is the foundation of success. Absolutely. And that's true if it's your money or anything mm-hmm. else we're talking about, right? That's I mean, correct. you agree, Paul? I totally agree. Okay. I totally so agree. if decision making is the foundation of success, then my role as a financial advisor is to help my clients make great decisions with their money, make great decisions with their money. So how can I possibly do that if I don't know what's important to them? If I don't know what they are motivated by. Well, I, I don't have a shot. Well, so stated. I've got to yeah. So I've got to understand what is deeply, deeply important to my clients because the answer is different for, for everybody. People mm-hmm. are motivated by different things. For sure. People are motive, everybody's their own individual, motivated by their own values. And those values are derived from our environment, our faith, mm-hmm. our family, mm-hmm. our parents. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I get to understand that with with clients. And what we then do is we begin a process of aligning those values to, of course, the goals, the financial goals that they want to accomplish, and then the behavior that they take. And that's what trips people up. So if you think about yourself for a minute, we all have an ideal version of who we want to be. Correct. Right. Now, think for a second, what is that ideal version of Of myself doing. What is he saying? What does he spend his money on? Does he read books? What kind of books? Mm -hmm. Does he exercise? How much does he exercise? What does he eat? His decisions all in there. (laughs) Yeah. How does he treat other people? Values. Exactly. So when we think of that ideal version of ourselves, we know we're not living up to that. Why are we not living up to that? Well, the reason we're not living up to it is because usually or sometimes, the decisions we make don't line up with the values that I that the ideal version of who we are is motivated by and adheres to. The obvious one that I share with people is health is really important to me. I'll tell you that it is. I really care about my health. I'm I try to be a healthy person. It is one of my top values, uh, but. Every now and then I do go to Whataburger and get a double-double with cheese. No, no, <laughs> right? no. I
0: love Whataburger, by the way.
1: I know, it's the best. Every now and then I do it.
0: People and people on here that don't know about it, you're missing out. That's all we can tell you're you. You're missing out. Get to Texas,
1: please. Get yourself a Whataburger with spicy love, ketchup love and it. jalapenos. So, Thanks for that, singer. But you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. And so for, for individuals who may say, okay, well, how can I do this with my money? Number one, identify those values, remind yourself of those values. And every time you have the opportunity to make a financial decision, whether it's what stock to buy, whether it's to buy that new house, to refinance, to get a new car, to to save X dollars versus uh, reducing that saving to contribute to the 401k, to increase my contributions to the 401k, whatever it is, revisit your values. These are my values. How do they line up now? with this choice that I'm making to do X or Y. Makes sense. Absolutely.
0: Really great, great concepts, strategies, and well thought out. And, and that's the way people have to approach it when we look at that decision-making. Because there are results that come from every decision. There's just way around it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know the the our decisions have impact. Um, an example might be: think of it this way. I, I'll have clients every now and then uh, call me with a with a request, right? and they say it's it's usually one end of the extreme or the other. It's Sanger. I want to pull all my money and put it under my mattress. You know, I'm I'm being hyperbolic here, but. Sure. Every now and then, very rarely, someone will say, gee, Sanger, you know, I'm thinking, I don't like what the market's (laughs) doing right now. Maybe I pull my money out, put it in checking account. The opposite is a client will call me and say, hey, Sanger, you know, I kind of like how the market's looking. What do you say we uh, get more aggressive? How about I throw $100,000 into this fund that I found? Okay. What both of those people are doing is making a decision or walking through a a decision that's highly motivated by emotion. On one hand, the client that wants to pull this money out, he's calling me and he's motivated out of fear. He does not want to lose. Absolutely. For sure. (laughs) The other end, that client's calling me out of excitement. He sees opportunity.
0: So He's energized. So one is risk, one is reward.
1: Yeah, and they're bo- In their but it's own both self emotional. Yes. And usually, when I make the client aware of that and I say, hey, great, I love the idea, or I totally understand your concern, whatever it is. And we talk about their plan and we talk about their goals and we figure out what do we actually need to do to get you to where you want to be. Usually, 99% of the time, they recognize, oh, yeah, I don't really need to do that. Or, oh, uh, that probably wouldn't be helpful to getting me where I want to be. Oh, that actually doesn't really line up with my values. Okay.
0: So the emotions come on. back into alignment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. They've, they've thought about it, thought it through. Cooler head prevails. And now they want to come to the table and just say, I was making a mistake.
1: <laughs> sure, and the, the tricky one's Which positive is positive okay. emotions. Yes. The tricky one's positive emotions because Mm -hmm. normally we... You know, if you're angry, Paul, you know you're angry. Absolutely. I mean, right? If you're sad, you know you're sad.
0: I blame it on the football coach, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I blame it on. uh, I can't blame Jason Garrett anymore. I blame Mike McCarthy, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Blame (laughs) blame all the time. You know, they used to ruin my weekends uh, for years and years and years. It's gonna get better though. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But we can identify negative emotions very easily. A lot of people have a hard time identifying positive emotions, but what I would, I would tell people is those positive emotions can have just as detrimental of an impact financially as negative emotions. They sure can, they can cause us to buy things that we can't really afford and don't need.
0: Absolutely. Because
1: we're excited. Absolutely. They can cause us to pursue investments that are way too aggressive and don't match up with anything that we should be doing, mm-hmm. but they look exciting. They look fun, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's very, very easy and tempting.
0: Definitely. So thanks for sharing that. And here's an, another emotion that's coming up. Of course, we know we have COVID nineteen here. None of us asked for this, and none of us deserve it. Uh, but when we look at uh, the impact uh, the pandemic is having on investors, is there anything that you see there that has impacted from a, a investor standpoint? And uh, Perhaps what what we're looking at down the line, maybe six, 12 months, anything there we can pass on to the listeners in regards to um, how to navigate that from an investment standpoint.
1: Sure. So a lot of, um, a lot of things have have happened as a result of of COVID. A lot of consequences landscape's totally, totally different. And a lot of companies are having to adjust, right? So mm-hmm. there are entire industries that are mm-hmm. not doing so hot anymore. Oh yeah. They were doing just fine 12 months ago. Yeah. Um, so what I would say to, to investors now, we can't fix what happened. Can't, you know, can't hopefully, do it. hopefully your financial advisor worked with you and you were doing the five things I talked about, avoiding concentrated risk, or concentrated equities, getting your investments tied to your risk profile, rebalancing your portfolio periodically. Hopefully you're doing all of the right things. If you're if you weren't, now's the time to do that. Absolutely. Now is the time to do that. The market's not volatile right now, right this second. Let's it doesn't mean it won't be tomorrow or next week or next <laughs> month. But right now everything's a little calmer than it was in March and in February. So take the opportunity to get yourself straightened out now and talk to your financial Mm -hmm. advisor about that.
0: Yes.
1: Moving forward. If you want to get a little bit more granular, what I would say is ask your financial advisor, what companies you own, Mm -hmm. what companies do you own? So a lot of clients or a lot of, a lot of investors, um, have mutual funds or exchange traded funds and they've, achieved a level of diversification through investment vehicles, right? That's correct. So it's not always clear to those clients, to those investors, how their financial advisor has allocated their money. What companies do I actually own? I know I own this mutual fund, but what is this mutual fund? Out? I would have a conversation with your advisor and say, what companies do I own and how are those companies, how can I be confident that those companies are going to be adaptable? Mm-hmm. That's
0: right. Let's say the airline industry versus maybe people who are now manufacturing PPE equipment for the medical uh, industries. So we look at that healthcare industry as one that's going. We know it's going to be very strong going into the future.
1: There's a there's a lot of different solutions, and not the there's no mm-hmm. right answer that's mm-hmm. that works for all people, right? So there are investors. Correct. There's a good reason for for a lot of different people to buy a lot of different. Companies. Right. Yeah. So I, I couldn't tell people, oh, avoid this, avoid that. Definitely mm-hmm. do this. Definitely do that. I couldn't say that um, because it depends on the individual. Correct. But what I can say is that now is the opportunity to start to think, huh, what do I actually own? A lot of people were surprised in February uh, that they owned companies that maybe weren't financially stable, maybe were in mm-hmm. industries that were high threat to covid Now would be the opportunity to have that conversation with your advisor.
0: I think that is a great recommendation. And and you're absolutely correct because it's not something that people think about every day, but now that things have kind of settled to a certain extent, it's time to flesh it out, make a decision, move forward, uh, what industry is is, uh, being impacted and then make that decision. But with the financial advisor, I did a, a little virtual summit about a week ago. And I told people, get a financial advisor. That's exactly what I told them. I said, because if you go out here in the stock market, mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lose a lot. (laughs) You're going to lose, but a financial advisor is going to guide you and help you navigate the situation. And, And that makes all the difference. So thank you for that. Um, Short term as well as that long-term view for people. But it comes back down to what you said. Talk to your financial advisor. They'll lead you the right way. So saying our time is coming to a close. Do you have anything else you would like to share with our listeners at this time?
1: No, I I, I think that what you're doing here, Paul, is, is fantastic. You know, you told me your mantra, wealth is more than well, just, just money. money. Yes. Did I get it right? You are absolutely correct. That that's so <laughs> true. You know, the I see a lot of people that of course, everyone wants to make more money for sure. I don't know how a whole lot of people that r- really are itching for a pay cut okay. or really just can't wait to see their bank account drop. None at all. Um, <laughs> people want to be more wealthy, um, they do. but it, it's so much more than dollars and cents, right? Mm-hmm. So much more than dollars and cents. And, and, and with the right approach, with the right advisor, and with the right plan, you can uncover so much more as to what your wealth can do for your life. Without a doubt,
0: without a doubt. And when we look at, um, and I was sharing with a, a, a teen audience, and I told them the sooner you start this process, the better off you're gonna be. Give it a 20 year run, for a young person, I have two teenage kids. We're going to give it a 20-year run. By the end of that 20 years, you're going to be fine. <laughs> mm,
1: yeah. Start early. That, Start is, early. Uh, yes. that is sound advice that not enough young folks get. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's correct. So Singer, if you could please provide your contact information so listeners can learn more about you and get in touch with you with your financial advising uh, expertise.
1: Sure. You can find us at clearfork.com. Wealth.com. that's clearforkwealth.com uh we're a private practice of ameriprise financial but you can find us at clearforkwealth.com that'll get you to our ameriprise website Uh, you can find me sanger smith on linkedin Mm -hmm. uh facebook instagram probably as well uh sanger smith not a whole lot of sangers running around out there that's Mm -hmm. uh so i'm pretty easy to find all right. Thank you for
0: sharing that again. That's clearforkwealth.com. That's C L E A R F O R K W E A L T H dot com. And you can also find Sanger D. Smith at LinkedIn and the other social media sites. So, Singer, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest of the Wealth Academy podcast community. We honor your presence, my friend, and continue excellence in all you do. We will continue to watch. And, and follow you as you deliver even greater excellence in the future. So Perfect. Thank you. thank
1: you so much for having me, Paul.
0: Okay, will no do. And for the Wealth Academy podcast community, I want to thank you today for listening to our honored guest. Again, his name is Singer D. Smith, and he is a financial advisor with Clear Fork Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. And they're based in the beautiful city of Fort Worth, Texas, where I've been so many times that they thought I was a residence there. But it was great. I had a great time every time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'd love to have you back. Why, thank you very much. We'll get Whataburger together.
0: Now we're talking. I'll be on yeah. the
1: next flight.
0: <laughs> All right, Sanger. Thank you very much. Again, everyone, my name is Paul Lawrence Van. I'm host of Wealth Academy podcast. My time is up and I thank you for yours. I'll see you on the next episode with another amazing guest. But today we give that honor and we give that respect to Sanger D. Smith. And I'm just my one last thing, Singer. In my mind, when you told a story about your grandfather, I was just wondering, what kind of hat did he wear? What kind of hat did he
1: wear? <laughs> <laughs> he, he well, he used to wear um he had an old he was in the Marines. He uh-huh. had a oh great Marine, one of those, I don't know what you call them, but you know uh-huh. the hats that the old right. Marines yes. wear. Uh huh. Oh, he'd wear that all the time. Oh,
0: fantastic. A all ball right. Yes, yeah, he's a veteran. I'm a veteran too as well, the Air Force, but we Air Force can't do what they do without the Marines, that's for sure. No sure way! Thing. All right. So thank you, everyone. And I'll see you on the next episode of Wealth Academy Podcast. Have a great thank day. Thank you for listening. You will find the show notes for links to everything that was mentioned. You will find the show notes on my landing page. Subscribe to the Wealth Academy Podcast. Rate or review the podcast on iTunes.